What's going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already and you're on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops and drops. Only 34% of the viewers are subscribed. So if you like what you see, drop a comment, like, subscribe. It helps out the channel and the algorithm. And in return, we'll give back some good content, call-ins, you know, we really like to engage with the viewers here on this channel. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, other platforms, please keep following the podcast. So, in this podcast episode, we are going to preview the Sunday matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants. A very special matchup. Uh, here's how we'll go about things like usual. The opening thoughts, the injury report, practice squad protections. For some reason, I couldn't find the Falcons practice squad protections this week only the Giants positional matchups 2021 stats things to look for players to watch questions to answer and keys to win so just opening thoughts it's a very emotional weekend for Giants fans um Eli is getting his number retired and you know a lot of Giant fans took Eli for granted and it's going to be a really special moment on Sunday, just I, I can't even have the right words to describe it. It's going to be so emotional for Giants fans. They're going to be so happy. He's, you know, getting his number retired and stuff like that. And a lot of Giant fans, going back to what I said just a couple of seconds ago, would like to take their hate back for him because at different points in the game, he wasn't the problem. And the Giants really mismanaged the support staff around him in terms of coaching. And in terms of the players. So uh, that's probably one John Mara would like to have back. But we're not going to talk about that right now. In terms of the 2021 season. This is a must win game. And I'll probably repeat it at the end of the podcast episode. But this is a big game for the Giants defense. More than it is the offense in my opinion. Because the offense, we saw some stuff last week. They were moving the ball pretty well. They put up 29 points, if I'm counting that correctly. The week before, they put up 13. But they were moving the ball well and better than expected. The defense has been absolutely tragic so far. Whether it's Patrick Graham not allowing James Bradbury to play physical... On the receivers he's shadowing. Or it's. You know. The Giants getting beat over the middle in man coverage. Or something like that. The defense needs to have a big game. Patrick Graham. I'll give him all the credit in the world for saying. Well you know it's my fault. Uh, the players are not executing. Which means I'm not doing a good job. You know Jason Garrett really hasn't said that. And I'm not going to sit here and you know. Throw blame at this this and this. But the defense needs to have. A better week than the first two. And if they don't. Well we're not going to necessarily be encouraged are we. And in the past couple of years. The Falcons offense was pretty good. To start the season. That's debatable. Because they lost 33-6 to to the Eagles. And then they scored 25 points against the Bucks, But it was 48-25. to So you would have to figure by assumption that some of those points would come in garbage time. So, but let's also 
recognize the fact that Matt Ryan can somewhat still throw the ball. They have Cordero Patterson now as a running back rather than just a kick returner like you know every other team has used him as. In terms of the receiving threats, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, those are two threats for the Giants. But let's break into the injury report, shall we? For the Atlanta Falcons, their number one corner, A.J. Terrell out of Clemson, I think it was last year or the year before he came out of Clemson, but uh, he's out for Sunday's game with a concussion, which is a very good thing for the Giants. Not saying it's a good thing overall, but they won't have to face a number one corner like him or what they're trying to make him to be as number one corner. They're going to have to face guys like Isaiah Oliver, uh, Fabian Moreau, a couple other guys on the roster as cornerbacks. Also, their number two wide receiver is injured, and Russell Gage, he's out with an ankle injury. And also Frank Darby, he is out with a calf injury. Now you take a look at the Giants injury report. Tight end Evan Ingram is questionable with hamstring injury. Kenny Galladay is questionable with a hip injury, and Cam Brown is out. He had the same injury as last week. I think it's like a hamstring injury. Uh, this has thigh, but I think it's hamstring or quad injury or something like that. Something lower body. It's not upper body. It's lower body. But he is out for Sunday's matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. So, real quickly, I think both of them are going to play Galladay and Ingram. Ingram according to the beat, looked really good in practice this week, or at least, you know, better than the first two weeks where he wasn't doing much of anything. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'd like to see him back on the field. I really would. You know, he would be a good mismatch against linebackers like Deion Jones or whoever is assigned to cover him. And in terms of Kenny Galladay, they did hold him out a little bit in practice this week, I think they were trying to do that so they could monitor the hip injury and say, okay, listen, you know, we know you're injured. We're going to take it day by day. We're not going to have you practice so you feel better for the game. And if that's the case, I can't say that I disagree with that. So uh, hopefully those two do play, and I have faith that those two will play. So in terms of the practice squad protections, I mentioned it earlier. Atlanta didn't state theirs. I tried looking on Twitter, their website, blah, blah, blah. It didn't state their practice squad protection, so I got no answer on that. But in terms of the Giants, David Moab, defensive lineman, he was actually working at guard this week, which was a little scary, right, uh, for our depth. But, uh, you know, it was a one-day thing. It wasn't like he was taking reps at guard the whole week. Offensive tackle Corey Cunningham, who spent time with, I believe, the Patriots and the Cardinals in the last few years. C.J. Board, obviously, is going to be the kick returner. And Chris Myrick, who played a couple of snaps last week as the blocking tight end or the third tight end in terms of the running game. He really didn't get any receiving reps, so that's just something to note. All right, so now we'll go into the positional matchups. I obviously do two sides of it. I do on paper, and I do what is actually the product, like, Who's actually better? You know, is it the Giants quarterback room or is it the Atlanta quarterback room so far this season? So I'm not just judging, well, on paper, it's this. No. So I'm doing two sides of it. But uh, let's go down the list. In terms of the quarterback room, Atlanta coming into the season on paper obviously was the better quarterback room. Uh, you know, take away the backups and everything. I'm talking really in terms of starters. Matt Ryan, you know, we expected him to be better than he is right now because 
well, that's why they took Kyle Pitts, right, to add a weapon. They said that they're really not going to rebuild. That's kind of like the Saquon Barkley move, in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, personally, no offense, Falcons fans, but I kind of smell an Eli Manning, Giants 2018 thing all over again. But you know what? That's for you guys to decide. I'm just stating my personal opinion. But in terms of the production and who has been better in terms of the first two games of the season, I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. He obviously did have that big fumble in the Denver game, but he's kept it clean for the most part. Uh, Matt Ryan has had two touchdowns and three interceptions total in both games. Well, I mean, just combined, really. So not something you want to see just in terms of first impressions uh, from your, was he, 36, 37, 38 years old now? So, you know. Uh, pray for Falcons fans on that one, but I don't really know. Listen, I'm not going to make any more opinions and comments. I'm going to go off what I'm doing now. So anyway, uh, in terms of the Giants running back room and the Falcons running back room, obviously on paper, Giants. You have Devontae Booker as a quality backup. You have Saquon Barkley as a running back, returning off an ACL injury. But in terms of production, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. Now, the running game has really been spiked by Daniel Jones. And you take a look at their running game, it's not perfect, but you've seen some spouts from Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis. Mike Davis had an awesome season last year in Carolina. Patterson, I forget who he was with uh, last year. I think he was with one of the North teams or something like that. Uh, also, they have Wayne Gallman, so it's going to be a homecoming for him, maybe a revenge game. I don't know. In terms of the wide receiver room, now they have Calvin Ridley... They lost Julio Jones. Uh, they have Russell Gage, but he's injured. Frank Darby, they got Tajay Sharp from the Titans, I want to say. So, in terms of the Giants room, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. I'm going to go with Giants on both of them because, obviously, better talent and better production. Sterling Shepard has been absolutely surprising in, in a good way. In terms of being the security blanket to Daniel Jones and almost having 100 receiving yards in, I think, both games. I think he had 100 receiving yards in the first game. In the second game, he had, like, six more yards to go and he would have had 100 receiving yards. So, he's been good. He's been good for the Giants. Uh, Galladay, obviously, he's been getting his reps, doing whatever. Slayton, obviously, we're not going to discuss that. But I think that's just overall better production than what their receiving room has been doing. Calvin Ridley, he's trying his best, trying to be a number one wide, wide receiver. I think he has like 114 receiving yards on the season, but we'll go into the stats a little later on. We're talking about who we're previewing, what to look for, and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of the tight end room, I'm going to go with the Giants on paper and the Giants in terms of production. Obviously, Kyle Pitts, the name, stands out for the Falcons. Why do I take the Giants on paper? Evan Ingram... I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to have a Pro Bowl season like he did last year. Uh, funny enough. But Kyle Rudolph, he coming to the Giants, of course, this is the paper side of things. This ain't the actual production side of things. Uh, was supposed to be a red zone target. You know, a little bit of change of scenery in terms from Minnesota coming to New York. Caden Smith, we knew he was a receiving threat when used. And then Evan Ingram. You know, when he, doesn't, when he doesn't drop passes, he's good. In terms of their tight end room, Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst. 
Uh, that's a good tight end room. I'm not going to sit here and say it's not. But in terms of production, I'll take the Giants. In terms of on paper, I'll take the Giants. So in terms of the O-line on paper, I would take Atlanta on paper. Jake Matthews, uh, he's been a veteran. He's been a solid left tackle for a couple of years now. Callum McGarry, I think he's entering his third year in the league, something like that. So he's been good for them, at least to start the year. Uh, Chris Lindstrom, the guy they drafted out of Boston College, I think it was like two years ago. Uh, they drafted Jalen Mayfield, so the O-line was supposed to look better than the Giants O-line, but I think the Giants O-line is doing a slightly better job. Um, run blocking, you can't even speak for because the Giants haven't been doing a good job in run blocking. But in terms of pass blocking, and a lot of people are saying, oh, lack of depth for the New York Giants, this and the other thing. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. You know, you take away three sacks in the first half against Washington last week. In my opinion, one of them was on Daniel Jones, and two of them were on the fact that this line is playing together for the first time because Gates is injured. You move Bradison in there, and he's next to Billy Price, and they're playing together for the first time. So I'm not going to say, well, this, this, and this, and make excuses, but that's a fact that they have been playing or they were playing for the first time and they give up three sacks, really two, because one of them was on Daniel Jones. So you take those away, and you have a sack total of four, which isn't bad compared to years past. Jalen Mayfield, from what I've been hearing, has been really struggling for the Falcons. Uh, Matt Hennessy really hasn't been doing that good either. Lindstrom's doing okay, same way McGarry and Matthews is Matthews, right? So slightly I'm going to take the Giants on that one. In terms of the defensive line, the Giants on paper obviously have the better defensive line. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, uh, one of the supposed to be better duos in terms of interior defensive linemen in the NFL. They have a couple of standout names that may or may not be uh, just standouts or you know you may or may not recognize them. Marlon Davidson, Grady Jarrett. I think one of the guys is John Comiskey or something like that. Something like that. Um, but... In terms of, on paper, I'll take the Giants. In terms of production, I'll take the Giants. Very slightly, though, because Leonard Williams, let's be honest, he really hasn't shown up. Same thing with Dexter Lawrence. But I think for what they've been doing in the running game, minus that 70-yard run and a few other plays, I'll take the Giants. In terms of the defensive line room, in terms of the linebacker room, uh, the only standout name really in the Falcons linebacker room is Deion Jones. Other than that, you really don't recognize a lot of names. For the Giants, you have Blake Martinez, you have Tay Crowder, you have Carter Coughlin, you have Reggie Ragland. Reggie Ragland's been okay in the run game. You know, He hasn't been, oh my god, he's making 70 tackles a game. No, he's not been that. But he's been you know, suitable. Uh, Tay Crowder, other than that one play when he where he was beat... Uh, by J.D. McKissick and man coverage, which was a basic, I think, wheel route or something like that. But um, other than that play, he's been good. He's probably been one of the better and more underrated defensive players on this team right now, and that's saying something. Blake Martinez, uh, you know, in terms of production, he has been, you know, getting a bigger workload in my opinion because Dalvin Thomas is not here, so Williams and Lawrence and Martinez have had a bigger load on them. Not saying they shouldn't perform. They should perform because uh, a lot of them have high value in certain aspects. Lawrence is a first-round pick from a couple of years ago. Leonard Williams was traded for and signed to a mega extension. And then you have Blake Martinez, who was signed to a three-year, $30 million contract or something like that. So 
You know, they have to produce. They have to produce, but I think I'll take them slightly over the linebacker room in terms of the Giants' linebacker room. Obviously, Williams and Lawrence are not linebackers, but I'll take the Giants' linebacker room slightly over what the Falcons have. In terms of cornerbacks, I'm going to take the Giants slightly once again. Uh, you know, you could pick apart certain plays. Bradbury hasn't been himself, but on paper, it's supposed to be Bradbury and Adoree Jackson, one of the best secondaries in the league, really has been that. Outside of the touchdown last week to Ricky Seals-Jones, I thought Adoree Jackson actually had a good game. You know, he wasn't getting beat like Bradbury was. He wasn't getting picked on. You know, maybe a play here and there, but Holmes actually probably did worse than him. Uh, in terms of the Falcons cornerback room, A.J. Terrell behind him. You really don't have a lot of great depth. Baby Moreau, Isaiah Oliver, a couple other guys in that secondary. So I'll take the Giants uh, on both sides. Dory Jackson, I think he played well last week. Uh, in terms of on paper, obviously he has to go with the Giants. In terms of the safety room, I'll take the Giants on both sides. Uh, Xavier McKinney, coming into his second year, was poised to have a breakout year. Jabril Peppers was trying or was supposed to be playing for his contract, really hasn't had much playing time compared to years past. Logan Ryan, he played well last year for a man who's in his 30s and is slowly coming out of the game in terms of, you know, play production and prime and stuff like that. Uh, on paper, not really a great bunch of names, in my opinion, for the Falcons' safeties. Eric Harris, who spent a couple years with the Raiders, and the Raiders really didn't have a good defense. Richie Grant, they drafted, I believe, at a UCF. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Deron Harmon, the former safety for the Lions and the former safety of the Patriots. And then a couple other guys in there, like Jalen Hawkins or whatever. But just not a great group of guys in terms of talent-wise. Obviously, once again, you have the draft pick in Richie Grant. But in terms of production, not really feeling it. Not really feeling it. I think the Giants are slightly better. I think Logan Ryan is quietly having a good season. You know, he really hasn't made a ton of plays, but he's outplayed Jabril Peppers and Xavier McKinney, definitely. And I think Logan Ryan having a silent kind of year outduels the safety room for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, in terms of special teams, I'll take the Giants. Uh, I honestly thought that Graham Gano should have been a pro bowler last year. Young Wei Koo, he was good last year. I'm not going to sit there and take anything away from him. But he did miss a kick in like one of the final two games that did cost the Falcons. Something like that. I think it was like against the Chargers or something. But uh, I'll slightly take the Giants in both aspects on special teams. Alright, now let's go into rankings. I don't know if I... Say that, yes I did, that's the 2021 stats, ranking, stuff like that. So, let's go to the Falcons first, the away team. In terms of the offensive side of the ball, they rank 25th in total yards per game, 23rd in passing yards per game, they rank 24th in running yards per game, and 30th in points per game. Obviously, it's been a low total these last two weeks, 25 against the Bucks. And six against the Eagles, which is not very good. But in terms of the defense, not as bad as everybody thinks, or it's possibly as bad as everybody thinks. I don't know what everybody's expectations are. I think it's slightly better in some cases, but anyway. Uh, in terms of defense, 
Total yards per game, they're 21st, 19th in passing yards per game, 24th in running yards per game, and 32nd in points per game. Giving up 33 points the first week to the Eagles, and then the second week giving up 48. That's 81 points in the first two weeks if I'm doing my math correctly. So, not good. You do that, you factor that, that's approximately, do the math there, 40 points per game. Not good at all. But once again, it's only two weeks. So in terms of the New York Giants, in the offensive stats so far, they're 19th in total yards per game, 17th in passing yards per game, 15th in rushing yards per game, and 22nd in points per game. They really should have had 37 points last week, but obviously you're going to have those types of games where your offense doesn't execute on certain points because of certain things. Darius Slayton dropping the ref call on the holding uh, by C.J. Board, supposed holding. On the defensive side of the ball, not great. 26th in total yards per game, 25th in passing yards per game, 22nd in rushing yards per game, and 25th in points per game. Once again, not very good. It's two games, but not very good, at least for what we were expecting for the defense. Yeah. In terms of things to look for and the players to watch, let's start. So the receiving core. Not a lot of names stand out. But the names that do stand out to me are Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, and Hayden Hurst. This is receiving core, the people, the players who catch the ball. In terms of, I'll bring this up just right now before I get into their individual stats. In terms of plus 20 yard plays, apparently, there is a stat on ESPN that actually catches this. If you go into individual stats for teams like receiving yards, who leads the Falcons in rushing yards, this any other thing. The Falcons have five total 20-plus yard plays. The Giants have eight. So you could compare it to the Giants the way they do things. I don't watch film on the Falcons. I don't keep track of them. But they don't have as many explosive plays as the Giants. But also the Giants shouldn't be talking either since they've only gone down the field a certain amount of times. But once again, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Um, in terms of Hayden Hurst, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley, let me pull up the stats, individual stats right here. Calvin Ridley so far in the season has one touchdown, 12 receptions, 114 yards, and 9.5 yards per catch. In terms of Kyle Pitts so far, he's had nine receptions for 104 yards, no touchdowns, 11.6 yards per catch. Uh, Cordell Patterson. Obviously, he, he could be a running back and he could be a wide receiver for them. Kind of a duo type of thing like Demetrik Felton and some of the other guys across the league. Seven receptions, 71 yards, one touchdown, and 10.1 yards per catch. In terms of Hayden Hurst, who I mentioned earlier, not really been used as much as Kyle Pitts to be expected. Five receptions, 34 yards, 6.8 yards per catch. Um, so that's them. And here's something i like to point out before I go to the running back threats in terms of Patterson and Davis and you know, they haven't really given Wayne Gallman anything up, which I'm surprised about. But anyway, the Giants, obviously, in the past couple of years, exclude last year, have had trouble against tight ends. Zach Ertz, Jason Witten, Jordan Reed, all these other tight ends. And so far, they really haven't fared well, in my opinion. Now, you could say, well, they didn't give up a touchdown to the number one tight end. Well, I'll give you some stats here. To the tight end one. The first two games, which was Noah Fant and Logan Thomas, they gave up a combined 11 receptions, 107 yards, no touchdowns. 
So you do the math there. That's approximately 9 point something yards per catch, which isn't great. But we'll see, once again, how it plays out on Sunday. But to the number two and three tight ends, five receptions, 42 yards, and two touchdowns. That's against Albert Ogobuenunam, Ricky Seals-Jones, and Eric Sauber. So, can we not give up a touchdown to the number two tight end? Can we not do that this week? Please? I just don't want to give up touchdowns at all. I mean, that would be the greatest thing in the world. But, let's not give it up to the number two tight end. Because those stats, they look good. Take away the touchdowns. So, let's... Let's keep the number two tight end out of the end zone, which would be Hayden Hurst in this situation. But you move to the running threats. And after this, I honestly don't have anyone else to look at other than Grady Jarrett. But once again, we'll take a look at him in a minute. In terms of the way they're using the ground game, Mike Davis, so far through two games, 24 carries, 87 yards, and 3.6 yards per carry, which isn't great. He's averaging about 43.5 yards per game, which, once again, isn't great. Uh, I don't have their pass rate at the moment or their run rate, so obviously you could probably look that up. But uh, I'm going to presume it's low. I'm going to presume their run rate is low. In terms of Cordero Patterson, 14 carries, 65 yards, 4.6 yards per carry, and one touchdown. So um, he averages less yards per game. He also has a fumble, but he does have the touchdown on his record. Keith Smith also has had four carries for 16 yards, four yards per carry. He's their fullback. So uh, just something to note there. And then, you know, if you want to have some other notes on Matt Ryan in terms of him escaping the pocket, obviously it's no designed runs or anything. Four rushes for 11 yards and about 2.8 yards per carry. So once again, not much in their running game. Not much. Uh, they have a total of 179 yards on the season. That ranks in the 20s, which, once again, isn't great. In terms of their only defensive player that I'm looking out for, I mean, obviously, Deion Jones is a tackling machine. But Grady Jarrett is really the only guy I'm looking at because he could cause trouble to the interior. Guys like Will Hernandez, uh, Billy Price, and... Ben Bradison, he will likely go up against. And I'm scared for the Bradison part in the running game and in the passing game. Same thing with Billy Price. I mean, I think Hernandez could handle him well. We'll see what happens, though. In the first game, he pretty much disappeared. He actually had more playing time in Week 1 than in Week 2. But in terms of Week 2, he got nine less snaps but did more. He had a quarterback hit, two tackles, uh, two solo tackles, I should say, and four total tackles. Real quickly, just for the sake of it, let me include Deion Jones in this conversation because, well, I shouldn't really be counting him out because he might have a big day against the Giants, you know. This is a giant way of doing things, you know. Players that may or may not be doing well will actually have a good day against the Giants. I don't know. But in terms of Deion Jones, uh, his snap count went down in Week 2, kind of like Grady Jarrett's, about 8 to 9 less snaps. In Week 1, he had 11 total tackles, a tackle for a loss, and a pass deflection in Week 2 against the Bucks. He had one sack, a tackle for a loss, a quarterback hit, four tackles, and that's pretty much his stat line. So he had more tackles in week one. He had a pass deflection and a tackle for a loss, but in week two, he did have a sack and a quarterback hit. So that's previewing him on that side of things. 
Now we go to questions to answer. Five for the offense, five for the defense. Will Kenny Galladay get his feet in the water versus Atlanta? Obviously, last week he was very frustrated with Jason Garrett, which is honestly something I am, but I'm not going to defend because I don't want Antonio Brown-type distractions on the sideline. I don't want players screaming at coaches unless you know it's warranted, like a player's getting screamed at by them unnecessarily or whatever. But I do get a frustration because... You know, he really hasn't been involving him too much in the offense, especially week one. You know, they didn't involve him until garbage time. So, you know, but he should get his feet in the water. You know, right now is the best time for most things for the Giants. And this is a good time for him to get his feet in the water. Their number one corner is out. Their safeties aren't that good. So take advantage, will ya? Uh, number two, will Kadarius Tony be used on special teams, maybe as a kick returner or get more snaps? His snap count, from what I hear, doubled from week one to two. And he should get some reps, whether it be on special teams as a kick returner, the punt returner, or just being used in the offense. Not stupid jet sweeps on first down that go for losses of six. Use him. Use him correctly. And I get it. You know, he was out for an extended period of time during training camp, and he didn't get reps during the preseason. I get that. But we have to factor him in somehow. He's our first-round pick. He's not some undrafted free agent that we just picked off the street, you know. Uh, in terms of number three, how will Evan Ingram look after missing two games? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because last year he had a case of the dropsies for the whole season. He stayed healthy all 16 games, and he really has to work for a contract at this point. I don't know how the Giants feel about him right now. I don't have inside information. But right now, he does not look deserving of a second contract. He has not stayed healthy for all the years of his career except last year. And last year, he was horrible. That was probably the worst year of his career, to be honest. And that's saying something when you're active all 16 games, unlike your other three seasons. But... You know, we'll see what happens. He's not the number one receiver like he was last year, supposedly. So, I expect better improvement. Am I going to say he's going to go off for 700 yards this year and, you know, have like 10 touchdowns? No, but I'm not expecting them, that either. Question number four. Will Saquon Barkley get more reps and make adjustments? Getting more reps, obviously getting more touches. Hopefully, they use him out of the backfield. Hopefully. Because he was taken off the injury report this week and you know the first two weeks he was on the injury report he was questionable but he's off the injury report which means there's a step in the right direction meaning that they don't have to put him on the injury report blah 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 blah, and we won't have to question well is he going to get this amount of reps is he even going to play blah 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 but the point is is that will he get more reps rushes carries against this atlanta defense and once again like kenny galladay why not start breaking out right now? This is a contract year for Saquon Barkley. Why not get it done here? Why not get it done? And then, in terms of making adjustments, he has to hit the holes that he gets. I'm not saying the offensive line is the best run-blocking offensive line in the NFL and in history, but there was a couple of holes last week that he really didn't hit, and they, you know, were... They were tackles for a loss. They were, like, losses of four or five yards... And I get that's like Saquon Barkley's thing, you know, bouncing around, doing this and that, but it hurts the Giants. It hurts the Giants, especially with their mentality of on occasion, 
you know, running on first down. It hurts them because you don't want to, you know, get down the field, march down the field, first down, and then you have a Saquon Barkley run, and it's, you know, him dancing in the backfield, and it's now suddenly second and 15. You don't really want to deal with that. And then number five, will the Giants rotate offensive linemen, and will Billy Price perform better? From what I heard from Ryan Dunleavy, he said that Matt Skura and Matt Parrott will factor in to Sunday's game. They will play tackle, guard, whatever respective positions they do play. Uh, I highly doubt that they actually switch Skura into center. Uh, that could change, obviously, you know, with the way uh, the Giants have been doing things the last couple of years. But Skura will probably rotate with Bradison and left guard. Hopefully he's been taking snaps there because I don't want it to be a thing where, oh my god, you know, Andrew Thomas is suddenly doing bad. Because he really hasn't played with Matt Skura. Hopefully he's played with Skura in practice. Gotten to know him a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. But Billy Price does have to perform better at center. You know, he's going to be facing Grady Jarrett and Marlon Davidson. And we don't need another train wreck performance. I kind of gave him a little bit of a pass last week. Because it was his first week at center. And he was facing a very tough defensive line. Now you only face like one or two tough defensive linemen. And that's it. Now Daniel Jones, you know, knows how you snap the ball and everything like that. The chemistry, it's not the same as when Nick Gates is at center, but you have to make up for it. You have to make up for it, and Billy Price just has to be better. And if he's not better, they better switch Skur in because, you know, this is not a year where it's rebuilding. Oh, well, we'll see how this plays out. No, you have to make adjustments, and you have to make reinforcements when they're needed. All right, so now we go to the defensive side of the ball. Five questions. These ought to be interesting. Number one, will Patrick Graham let James Bradbury be physical? He has to. He has to. Against Calvin Ridley, playing this soft zone shit is not going to work. The Giants did well in man coverage last week. Statistics show. And this zone shit's not going to cut it, especially against tough receivers. You know, if you're facing the worst offense in the league and, you know, they don't have any receivers at all or whatever, you're facing the Jets or you're facing another team, you know, it might work. But you got to let them play physical. He had, what was it, like 17, 18 pass deflections last year because he was physical. Because he was physical on the receiver, not because he was playing, oh, he was zoned, this, that, and the other thing. No. If you don't have a physical cornerback, what can your cornerback do right? So Patrick Graham has to let him play physical this weekend. If he doesn't, well, it's going to be a field day for the Falcons offense and Calvin Ridley. Number two, will Patrick Graham allow the Giants to blitz more with statue Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan... He's a mobile. Uh, I don't know if he really was ever a mobile quarterback, but you know he's been so destroyed by offensive lines and just like the mediocrity of the Falcons organization for so long that he's not the same anymore. He's not the same. He has a noodle arm, not really slinging it downfield that much. That's why the explosive plays are down. And you know what else can I say? He's a statue in the pocket. He's a pocket passer at this point in his career. You know if. Once again, he's ever been a mobile quarterback, which, to be honest with you, I really don't remember. I could be wrong. But they have to blitz more, in my opinion, but they also have to cover on the back end. You can't let Kyle Pitts run free and also send, like, five, six rushers up front. Can't happen. And they have to get to the passer as well. They have to get to the passer. It can't be just blitzing, you know, 46% of the time and nobody gets there. and There's, like, one sack in the game. Cannot happen. It's kind of like week one. So, the next question actually pertains to the question I just asked. Who gets their first sack? Aziz Ojolari. I'll give credits to him. He is the sack leader. He has two. But he hasn't been consistent. And neither has his pass rush. You know, neither has the pass rush been. 
consistent either. So who's going to get their first sack? I think it's going to be personally Lorenzo Carter or it's going to be Carter Coughlin. In my opinion, they should put Coughlin as a blitzer on third down. They really haven't been doing that. And Coughlin really hasn't played that much, which is unfortunate because I thought he was going to be you know, more introduced in the playbook this year, rotating more, but obviously not. I think Patrick Graham, I guess, thinks less of him than he did last year. I don't know. But he can really rush the passer. And, you know, I guess at this point, and I'm not saying that Carter Coughlin is like the best pass rusher in the league, but at this point, what, you know, what, what, the, what is the difference? What is the difference at this point? Carter's not winning off the edge. Zimenez is not winning off the edge. The blitzes aren't getting to the quarterbacks you're facing. Your defense is not covering on the back end. What difference is it going to make? Put Coughlin in. Hopefully he blitzes and gets to the quarterback. And honestly, I don't know if Lorenzo Carter or Shane Zimenez will get to the passer because they're outside linebackers. They're going to be facing Caleb McGarry and Jake Matthews, both who are decent tackles. And if they couldn't get past Sam Cosme and Charles Leno and the week before that, Bobby Massey and Garrett Bowles, you know, what's their chance this week? Question number four, does Adoree Jackson continue to be good? Obviously didn't play well in week one. Other than the touchdown, he played well in week two. He has to play good. He has to play like he did last week. And if he does, he's worth the money. If he doesn't, well, he's not worth the money. And I obviously don't want to give these, uh, you know, assumptions and conclusions right away where it's like, ah, Adoree Jackson was not worth the money. But, you know, the players have to start performing. It's not just on Patrick Graham. It's on the players as well. Just because Patrick Graham takes the blame for it doesn't mean it's not the players' fault because it is the players' fault. Dory Jackson, if him and James Bradbury are allowed to be physical this week, get out play physical because there's going to be occasions this week where he's going to get Calvin Ridley on occasion. I highly doubt that James Bradbury is going to be shadowing Calvin Ridley the entire game. And then number five, will Pat Graham have a game plan to contain Kyle Pitts? Hopefully he does because you have to generally have a defensive game plan. And I think the problem is he's done too much of this and he's done too much of this. Mix your man, mix your zone. Let your corners play physical, not in this zone crap, but don't get beat over the middle by Kyle Pitts and other tight ends. That's not what you want to happen. So, Patrick Graham, I'm not a defensive guy, I'm not a strategist, whatever, but mix up your man in your zone so it's adaptable for the defensive players and they could finally execute after two weeks of poor play. That's what I gotta say about that. One of the final subjects on the day besides final thoughts, keys to win. My first key to win, in my personal opinion, is contain Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley and do not underestimate. Obviously, I mentioned Matt Ryan at this point in his career is a pocket quarterback with a noodle arm. That doesn't mean they won't dink and dunk to Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, and do all these sorts of things. Arthur Smith, I mean, their offense really hasn't succeeded, but it, you know, there's a possibility that he will dial up a good play or two against the Giants, and they can't let the explosive play happen. You know, maybe once or twice a game, if that. You know, once again, I'm not a defensive strategist, but also they need to limit yards after the catch. They're one of the worst teams in the league right now in terms of allowing yards after catch. I mean, they've allowed, what, close to 200, 100 within the first two games. That's not good. It's not good. And they allowed, I think, 44 on average last season, something like that. You have to go back to, like, the Talking Giants stats report. Um, Justin does a good video on that. Number two, get to the passer. Force pressure on Matt Ryan. That's something you got to do as a defense. 
one won't work if the other doesn't work. If you contain Kyle Pitts, if you contain Calvin Ridley, if you don't underestimate the targets they have and how they use them, then you can get to the passer, then you can force blitzes. Obviously, I mentioned that Matt Hennessy and Jalen Mayfield are off to tough starts this season. You know, if you pressure through the interior, if you send blitzes, do whatever, get to Matt Ryan. He's not like Teddy Bridgewater where he's going to, oh, uh, throw across his body and escape the pocket like, you know, he would or Taylor Heineke would. He's not that type of quarterback. He's 36, 37 years old. But don't make him look like, you know, Ben Roethlisberger in his prime when he used to escape the pocket or Teddy Bridgewater. Don't make him look better than he is because that's the thing that the Giants like to do. You know, they'll make freaking Matt Ryan or some of these other guys look like Tom Brady. Hopefully that doesn't happen this week, but my main point is get to the passer, force pressure on Matt Ryan so he has less time to throw. That's it. And also, number three, you could possibly make a case for this to be number one, number two, whatever. It's still a key to win. Take advantage of Atlanta's defense with no A.J. Terrell. Obviously, it's going to be a little tougher on the interior because they have Grady Jarrett, who's one of the only players on that defense that you know is known across the league. And actually perform as well. Deion Jones also another one of those guys. But other than that, you know, who can you trust on that defense? AJ Terrell's out. They have questionable safeties. You know, they have, I would say, suspect safeties in terms of talent, in terms of play. Eric Harris. I mentioned all the names before. So take advantage. Kenny Galladay, Saquon Barkley, this is your game to break out. If given the opportunities, of course. The Giants, you know, if they give Saquon Barkley 10 carries, don't expect him to have 167 yards. In terms of Kenny Galladay, if they give him three, four, five targets, don't expect him to have 167 yards. You know, just go out there, play, take advantage. I'm really looking for the New York Giants to take advantage of the defense. And if they don't take advantage of the defense, then that's bad on Jason Garrett and that's bad on the offense as a whole. Mostly coming back to Jason Garrett and his game planning. But in terms of final thoughts, I'll say this. This is the most one of the most important games of the season obviously in week one we had the opening game the 9-11 game stuff like that this one is for Eli this one is for the fate of the season it kind of sucks that we have a you know win or nothing game in week three but this is what the Giants have put themselves in the position basically to act like for lack of better words they suck the first two weeks now is your time to win because how many teams go to the playoffs after 0-3? The last team to do it of the few teams in history was the Texans in 2018. And where have they been since? They haven't been anywhere. So this Giants team needs to turn it around. And why not turn it around against a bad team like the Falcons? Because I, I, I honestly believe that the Falcons are one of the worst teams in the NFL. My personal opinion. But once again, they may not be one of the worst teams in the NFL if they beat the Giants on Sunday. But uh, this is for Eli. This is for the fate of the season. I'm going to take the Giants here. I'm going to predict that they win by, let's go 27-24. I don't think they'll get four touchdowns. But they'll have three or maybe, you know, two and maybe, like, fix up the scoring a little bit. But uh, I'll definitely take them 27-24. They'll make it as close as it can be, closer than really anyone anticipates because it's the Giants. That's how they do things. They may even tie, but I'm definitely going to take the Giants here 27-24. And I picked them to win the first two weeks, 
So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this Sunday. But if you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. That's if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Please follow the podcast. Follow the social media pages on Instagram and Twitter at Big Blue in the Bronx. If you are not subscribed, and I mentioned this earlier, I'll mention it again. Only 34% of the viewers are subscribed. So if you like what you see, please like, comment, subscribe. Turn on the notification bell on. It helps the algorithm, helps the channel. That way we get more viewers, you can interact with more people, and we produce better content than we are doing now. Thanks, everybody. Go Giants. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool.